Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. About three in five third graders in California don't meet state standards in reading and writing. Study after study have shown that learning how to read is a gateway to academic development. But millions of California children, particularly those in low-income districts, are woefully behind in learning to read. To try to help more kids to learn, some districts are shifting their strategies. In Oakland, parents and other family members have taken a frontline position as literacy tutors. The joy for me is when they test out and they don't need me anymore and they can fly. <laughs> That's the joy. So it goes hand in hand, the difficulty, you know, and the joy. How effective are literacy tutors? And what can parents do to help their children to learn to read? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Ruelvis Alanga has lived with his nephew and niece since they were very young. I'm actually their official godparent. So, uh, you know, and in our culture, that's that's a big deal. Um, we're Filipino and they refer to me as Ninong, which means godfather. For Ruelvis, that means he's very involved in their education. And he helped them learn to read. I always taught them their alphabets. You know, and we'd play games like identify this word, identify that word. So I've always done that. Ruelvis fostered a love for reading in his nephew and niece, buying them books based on what they liked or he thought they would be interested in. Like when my nephew was younger, I got him mystery and like Sherlock Holmes type books. And for my niece, I got her onto Harry Potter and she likes those intrigue books and... I get comments from her teacher stating that she has a wonderful personal way of writing, unique to her. And I attribute that to her early literacy reading. That's why I really believe it's very important. When Ruelvis's niece started kindergarten in Oakland, he was pleasantly surprised that the school encouraged parents and guardians to volunteer in the classroom. I thought, really? You want to see the classroom? Well, all right, I am there. I was always involved. Um, I would chaperone. I would come in to the classrooms every week and I would check homework and I would just be there, be in the classroom. He also got involved in a parent group, Oakland Reach. Ruelvis's niece is off to middle school now. But last year, her elementary school hired Ruelvis as an early literacy tutor. So now he's helping a whole bunch of other kids learn how to read. He meets with small groups of kindergartners, first graders, and second graders from Monday through Thursday every week. We use a program called SIPS, which is a systematic instruction in phonological awareness, phonics, and sight words. There, SIPS. And it sounds really strict. At first, Ruelvis thought this approach might be too strict and boring for the kids. But then he figured out how to make it more fun and he focuses on encouraging them. He tells them there's a prize at the end. The prize is learning how to read. I want that instilled in their head first, you know? It's like, why do we have to keep doing this? Because, you know, the whole world, if you can't read, it's like a secret. But once you learn how to read, your eyes just open. That is the prize. Things cannot be hidden from you anymore, you know? This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. 
I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, how literacy tutors unlock reading for kids. Unfortunately, many children don't learn to read as easily as Ruelvis' niece and nephew. In Oakland Unified, only about a third of third-grade students met or exceeded reading and writing standards in 2022. And statewide, we're not doing too much better, with only about 40% of kids meeting the standard in third grade. Oakland Unified has made early literacy a high priority over the next three years. Like some other districts in California, it's changing its curriculum, something EdSource has been covering in detail in our literacy series. But this episode, we want to look at tutors like Ruelvis. My colleague Karen D'Souza has been writing about literacy in California for EdSource, and she recently moderated a roundtable about this issue, in which Ruelvis participated. Hi, Karen. Hey, Zadie. How you doing? I'm good. So, Karen, one of the things Oakland is doing is hiring parents and relatives like Ruelvis Alanga as literacy tutors. Tell us how this program began. Um, He's part of a great uh, organization in Oakland called Oakland Reach that actually kind of really came into its own during the pandemic when they felt like the school system, um, that there needed to be more ongoing education and that kids were languishing a little with remote education. And they created their own learning hub and really kind of empowered parents to be tutors. And one of the wonderful legacies of that now is all these literacy parent tutors and parents really feeling engaged in their own child's um, learning how to read process. So. There's a grant program where Oakland Unified is actually hiring these um, parents and other family members. Can you tell me a little bit, you know, what's the advantage of the tutors being parents or other family members? I mean, from the most practical sense, you really don't have to wait to convince, you know, your school or your teacher that maybe there's something amiss or that something your kid isn't getting that you you feel you need. Um, Lakeisha Young is really the guiding force behind this movement. You don't have to wait around for an expert to come save you. Lakeisha Young, co-founder and chief executive of Oakland Reach, was on another recent roundtable with EdSource to talk about how tutors who are also family members are more likely to connect to the students they're working with. And they have deep ties to the school already. And the secret sauce was that paraprofessional profile, right? If the aunties and the folks that look like our kids from the communities can get kids to read, then we can do this at scale. We have to do this at scale. We don't really have an option. A lot of the backbone of her group is like grandmothers and mothers who saw a problem often unfolding in a generational sense in terms of illiteracy and just decided that, you know, the buck stops here. We're teaching our kids how to read. Y'all want to help. That's great. You don't want to help. We're going to do it anyway. And that often if you come from that community and you understand the kids, everything is just more seamless and more natural. And certainly, you know, an uncle or a grandmother or an aunt has a lot of legitimacy with the child that's going to go a long way. Uh, the, The bonds, I think, between the tutor and the student are really important. Karen, how important and how effective is tutoring for, you know, for learning how to read and also for kind of coming back, you know, after distance learning? I mean, a lot of people would say that's the secret, right? The one-on-one engagement. Um, I also remember I did a story once about uh, Zoom reading tutoring and the notion that like if you are a kid who's struggling and, and you're, you're behind on reading, reading aloud in front of the class to display what you're uncomfortable about is probably not going to be super effective for you, right? But one-on-one with a teacher or a mom or someone who's not judging you, you know, you can feel free to make mistakes and not be embarrassed by them. And I, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me until that day in that classroom. 
that struggling readers probably do need a smaller group environment. Here's how Ruelvis works with his small groups of kids. We do kinder, we start them at beginning, but then I also have second graders that are doing beginning as well. So what we do for them, I would start off with maybe syllables. And they, I would say, I'm going to give you three sounds. You tell me what that word is. So it'd be like, s-m-all, and then small, b-i-g, big. So we move from that to, we may read a story. It's a short story, and we have our sight words. Maybe their sight word is, I can and see. So then they would read the story, would involve those three words, which they have um, been taught before, and any other words they hadn't been taught are the ones we're going to sound out. So, you, so it's like maybe the stories, I can see you and you can see me. And if there's a word like banana, I can see the banana, then we're going to sound out banana through the syllables. If we get through the whole lesson in one day, then we do, they love this part. It's called um, a guided spelling where we do decodable words and I'll give them a word that they know and then they'll write it down on whiteboards. And then we do a sentence and I always tell them, what does every sentence begin with? A capital letter, yay, you know, Um, and then ends in a period for now. (laughs) Some of the students speak Spanish as a first language and are still learning English. So I kind of incorporate some Spanish in it. Like I know a little bit of Spanish, but not a lot. I always hope that they know at least the Spanish alphabet. And then I can do comparisons with them and say, see, this is the same, or we don't have this. Ruelva says tutoring can be hard sometimes. You'll have maybe that one or two students, you know, whether it be bad behavior or bringing toys and just not talking or not participating. I just work through it and not get frustrated and just remember that, Maybe there's something going on with that child that I don't know about, you know, and I, I don't ever want to be biased in that way, you know, so I try to be more comforting with those kids. But there's also joy. The joy for me is when they test out and they don't need me anymore and they can fly. (laughs) That's the joy. So it goes hand in hand, the difficulty, you know, and the joy. Karen, you recently wrote about what parents need to know about teaching young children to read. And then you also discussed this with the experts on the roundtable you moderated. What are some of the big takeaways um, that you'd like to share with parents listening today? One of the things everyone felt really strongly about is looking for evidence of three cueing, which is something you might find in a balanced literacy classroom. If your child is reading by primarily decoding clues in the picture near the words instead of looking at the words, that's a real red flag. Those are things that um, sort of unskilled readers do. And skilled readers really tend to focus on the actual word itself, as opposed to um, you know gleaning something from context. Other things they thought people should consider is the notion of leveled reading. Some classrooms are really in love with children only reading certain level books, and it's inappropriate to read books above that level. Most of the advocates feel like that's a terrible idea. If we're trying to encourage children to read more and more advanced books, 
we should, um, you know, give them praise when they when they feel like doing that and not, you know, in one case, I, I talked to a family where the child was actually smuggling books in and reading them under her desk because she wasn't allowed to read those books. She was supposed to be reading much more simple books. She would actually get in trouble if she were caught. And then thirdly, I think this notion of um, background knowledge, that if you give me a book to read about... Um, I don't know, baseball. I'm not going to be a super skilled reader with that. I don't come to it with enough background knowledge. But if I'm reading something right up my alley, I might look like a fantastic reader, a really high level reader. And then actually your level of reading changes depending on the assessment and the topic and the subject material. So the best thing we can do for all our kids is to give them as much knowledge as possible. And one other thing that I heard during the roundtable was this notion that struggling is good, that struggling is part of learning. Yeah. um, You know, with most sports, for instance, things are supposed to get more challenging and you, you know, you gain muscles because you're pushing yourself. And that reading is actually a little bit like that, too. My daughter recently read um, A Tale of Two Cities and she struggled. It was her first Dickens. And, you know, we worked really hard to be like, well, that's great. It's good to struggle. And I bet you, you know, you got to be a better reader doing it. It's much better, I think, to do that than to just sort of stick with the thing that's really easy for you to read because there's not as much growth happening. Ruelvis can't emphasize enough how parents and other family members should read to their kids from early on. And I'm not talking just kindergarten or even preschool. I mean, start from the beginning and don't talk down to your kids. You know, baby talk is wonderful for a little bit because it's cute. But then, you know, after a while, introduce vocabulary. It doesn't have to be really long. Just read with your kids. Have a conversation with your kids, speaking to your kids, even singing with your kids. Um, it's, It's all based in communication, you know, and that ain't bad. You know, you want to know what your child is doing. Always try to be as much involved in your child's life as you can. I know it's difficult. Most of the time, both parents work, you know, and it's hard. Um, but gosh, maybe 10 minutes with your child. Ask how their day is. And of course, they're going to say, it's okay. You know, no, just go, didn't you join that club, that chess club? Well, who did you play today? Or you have art today, right? Or did you draw something really cool? Wow, okay, cool. You know, just be involved with your child and and their educational life. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find our stories about California's reading dilemma and watch a roundtable about this issue at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Ruelvis Alonga and Karen D'Souza. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. 